Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We have been looking at spiritual warfare and specifically the armor. Reading in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul says there again, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I hope this is now becoming more real to you. How to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And we need to understand that that statement was followed by armor. This is how you do it. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Sometimes we hope we do. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, we do have a battle that we are engaged in, and it is against all of these things. Okay? So, you know, the Christian life isn't a, well, if it's God's will, it will happen. That theology doesn't work with this scripture. It says that we are in a battle. And we are fighting against all of these things. And he says, therefore, in verse 13, take up the whole armor of God. Notice, it's the armor of God. Hallelujah. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, that's your belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and now verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. That's what we are going to be looking at today, the helmet of salvation. Remember again that this is all armor, okay? So I don't want you to yawn off and drop off and think, oh, it's a helmet of salvation. Woohoo. (laughs) When we finish with this, you'll begin to understand why it's listed as armor and how important it is to you. The helmet's job is to protect the head, which is always a key target in battle. Now, that's not just in natural battles, it's in spiritual battles as well. A lot of times, the problem that we face is what we're thinking. You know, if you go into a fight thinking that you're going to win, there's a good chance you'll win. If you go into a fight wondering if you'll win, there's a good chance you won't. (laughs) Okay? The problem that we have a lot of times is that mental attitude isn't fixed. We don't have this helmet of salvation. Now, you might ask yourself, why is it called a helmet of salvation? I'm going to answer that question today. This isn't about getting saved. Because remember, the warrior that has this on is already saved. Amen? So this is a helmet that has been given to the believer. So why is the word salvation in this? It's a bit of a puzzle when you think about it. We will answer those questions today. Let me begin with a quote by Peter T. O'Brien. He says that the helmet used by the Roman soldiers was made of bronze and had cheek pieces so as to give protection to the head. 
Here Paul's language is once again drawn from Isaiah 59, where Yahweh, the victorious warrior, wears the helmet of salvation. That's Isaiah 59, 17. And he saves his people and judges their enemies. Let me stop there for a minute. That's what God does for you. He saves you and judges them. You know, a lot of times we think they're just getting away with everything and we're just, you know, meant to walk in peace and forgiveness. And no, He protects you. He saves you. Amen? And He judges them. And you need to understand that's the reason why Jesus says, don't judge. Because God will judge. God will look after things. Now, according to Ephesians, that's 6.17, He gives His helmet to believers for their protection. He gives us His helmet. It's, his, it's worked. Remember, this is God's armor. You know, if it's God's armor, means it's God's armor. So He takes it off and He hands it to you. That's the reason why you need to take it. Amen? Just like the shield of faith you need to take, the helmet you need to take, and then the last thing you're going to take is the sword of the Spirit. Alright? So again, He gives His helmet to believers for their protection. This helmet is salvation itself. The helmet, which is the helmet, which is salvation. The believers are urged to lay hold of it as they engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. Now, let me explain this out a little bit more. Why do we need to hold on to this? John MacArthur explains. I'll, I'll, let me read you these quotes, then I'll talk to you. Okay. He says Satan's most disturbing attack against believers is in tempting them to believe they have lost or could lose their salvation. Few things are more paralyzing, unproductive, and miserable than insecurity. The person who thinks he has nothing worthwhile to look forward to has no reason to fight, work, or live responsibly. Are you beginning to understand the importance of this helmet? That's the reason why the Apostle John, he understood how critical this helmet, and how crucial this helmet was, and said one of the specific purposes for writing his epistles, he actually mentioned in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, let me explain this to you a little bit. When we go into a battle, if we are not sure we're saved, then we're not sure God's on our side. Amen? We're not sure that when we're believing God for something, when we are expecting to be protected, looked after, there might not be anything there. (laughs) Okay? If we start to doubt, then our shield of faith will go down. Because we're doubting. You can't have faith and doubt operating at the same time. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Okay? One of the problems is, remember again, that faith is where? In the heart. What you don't want is your, your shield and your helmet running into each other. <laughs> okay? You, you can't have doubt in your head while your heart is going, Listen, I know this will work. Just stop doubting. You'll find sometimes that you'll believe more than your understanding. We know that the peace of God passes all understanding. That's why Proverbs says, Don't lean to your understanding. We're still looking very dimly into a mirror. Yeah, we still don't know who all is in there. No. Okay. Is that really me? Okay, no. Things aren't so clear still. And so one of the things that we need to understand is we need to allow our faith to erect our shield of faith and keep it there, regardless of what we can and can't believe in our head. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul said the renewal of the mind was so important. 
Because if we don't renew our mind into thinking correctly, then we can allow the enemy to come and sow doubt on the inside of us to where we don't even know whether we're saved or not, whether we're going to heaven or not. And if that's the case, well, you won't ever pray for anybody because you're too busy praying for yourself. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so this is one of those things that we need to understand where a lot of times the enemy will strike. Oh, are you really sure that you're saved? I mean, truly, if you drop dead right now, do you know you're going to heaven? You know, because you haven't been living the best life. And you know, some of them preachers out there could be right when they say, you know, salvation isn't all, you know, isn't permanent. It's not one saved, always saved. It could be one saved and later on, not. See all the doubts? See why he puts all those messages out there? Because after a while, the devil will start playing with your mind. Maybe that guy's right. You know, you won't answer the question on the exam paper that way. But, gee, it's amazing what goes on in our head. That's right. <laughs> That's the reason why some people, they'll say something, and then it'll sound so stupid, they go, well, actually it sounded better in my head. Because, <laughs> sorry, what was that? Oh, you say that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think all of us do that one. But it's funny how, you know, in your head, things make sense until you say them out, and then they're so stupid. Absolutely. Amen. That's why you need your helmet. Amen. You don't want those dumb things happening. While you're engaged now, okay, let's, <laughs> let's, let's start looking at this practically. I, I, there's more I want to share with you, but I need you to get this revelation first. When somebody is on the battlefield and he's engaging the enemy, every second needs to be on what he needs to do. Okay? Now, the Apostle Paul is talking about a time when they were engaged in hand-to-hand -hand combat, swords, all of those things. They weren't at a distance shooting somebody. Okay? So, you were face-to-face, toe-to-toe with your enemy, and your mind had to be there. You can't deflect and defend against the thrusts and the strikes that the enemy is sending at you while you're thinking about other things, when every second... There is a blow being directed at you. And every second you need to defend. Are you all with me? So you know who wins the person with the greatest concentration? Not the one with the greatest skill, the one that concentrates the most. Because no matter how much skill you have, if your mind goes off with the butterflies, you think, gee, I don't know if I'm going to... You're dead. <laughs> that moment that you had doubted, that person got through. Because you were thinking of that, not what was going on in front of you. Alright, that's the reason why this helmet is so important. Because it guards your mind. It keeps you focused. So when your mind begins to wander. See, and this is where the enemy comes in and gets a lot of his victories. Because right in the middle of battle, we wander off into doubt and unbelief. And then we get into insecurity. And then we're like the little baby with his thumb in his mouth. I don't know if I'm going to... You're dead. You're dead. It's, it's finished. It's, get somebody else to pray now, because you're, you're done. Okay, now do we see why this is so important? This is an important lesson. Amen? As much as you know, we want to focus on the shield and the sword, keep your helmet on. Keep your focus. None of your other weapons are going to work without your focus. Especially when we... That's the reason why you need to have your helmet before you use your sword. Otherwise, we don't know what all you're going to cut. 
You'll be swinging your sword and thinking of other things. And oh, sorry, I killed another one of my mates. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> hey, that doesn't work, man. You need to keep your mind on the battle. You need to keep your mind on the here and now. When you're in battle, it's about here and now. It's not about, but what if it doesn't work? No, it's about here and now. It will work. I'll keep at it until God says stop. See, when, when they were on the battlefield, they didn't, you know, look at... Not that they had a watch, okay? They didn't look at their watch and go, Oh, it's morning tea. Everybody take a break. So they all put their swords down and they go ahead and have the little morning tea and little cucumber sandwich. And, they, and it goes, dingle, dingle, dingle. Okay, we're back. Get your sword back up. Okay, let's continue fighting. No, it doesn't work that way. We like to do that, but that's not how it works. <laughs> okay? It's a fight. From beginning to end, and once you get into battle, you need to know that you need to stay there. Now, your whole life is in the battle, because you'd be exhausted. Okay? There are times when you need to rest. That's the time that you need to feed yourself the Word of God. In your rest times, feed. make sure you are feeding on something that will help you in your time of battle. Do you hear what I just said? Okay? Any warrior will know... You know, the worst thing he can do is eat the raw kind of food before he goes out on the battlefield. He doesn't want to be sluggish and dull of mind, <laughs> okay? You do not go on the battlefield yawning. Now, I mean, the enemy look at you and go, oh, that guy is dead. You know, I'll, I'll take him. <laughs> That's an easy one to start with. You go with your face like flint. What Jesus did when he was going to the cross. There was no question he was going to do this. And nothing was going to get in the way. See, that was a battle for him. And this time, on purpose, he had to let the enemy win. He had never lost a battle. Oh, when you're used to winning every single battle, when you have all of the hosts of angels, I mean, big dudes, that stand there and they're blazing with fire. You know, they're your personal bodyguard. And you made them. You can make a few more if you need. That's the creator. That's why he's the captain. That's why he's, he leads the army. That's why it said he could have called a legion of angels at any time. They were at his beck and call. So it is very hard to fight a battle in that way. Can you imagine the enormous mental battle that he went through? If there is any way, let this cup pass from me. This is not a battle I want to really be engaged in. But I will do this. Nevertheless, thy will be done. Amen? That was a time he needed his helmet. What was his salvation that after three days and three nights, he's going to come back up. He's going to wipe out hell, having spoiled principalities and powers. He made an open show of them. Amen? I mean, he, he's going to wipe the floor with them, but three days is not going to be good. And the entry into that place isn't going to be good either. It is via a very painful cross let alone all the insults and everything else that were going to come if you're the son of God well why don't you get yourself off that cross was the very person he was dying for the idiot with a mouth <laughs> never mind okay alright all right. this is where you need your helmet of salvation man. because some days you want to just take the helmet and beat somebody over the head you, you are doing all of this stuff you're praying for people and then they sass you out yeah hello you think, well, I can pray for you and go, go, call judgment down. Let, you know, let's go the other way today. Let's see how you fare. <laughs> no, okay. That's why you need your helmet on. Okay? Okay. <laughs> 
But th- this helmet is not just to assure us of victory now, but has a future application as well. John MacArthur explains, The helmet of salvation is that great hope of final salvation that gives us confidence and assurance that our present struggle with Satan will not last forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? And we will be victorious in the end. Amen? We know the battle is only for this life. And even a long earthly life is no more than a split second compared to eternity with our Lord in heaven. We need to keep that as one of our focuses. We need to understand that this is a very short period of time that we're down here on this earth for compared to forever. We need to understand that this battle will not go on forever. Amen. Alright? It's only when you know that, that you can put that extra effort in. Do you hear what I'm saying? Knowing that at the end, there is an eternal peace and a rest and and all kinds of blessings waiting for you. So you want to do your best down here so that when you go up there, you will get that well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? Almost feel like some of us are going to get the well done, thou good and faithful soldier. There's them servants and then there's them so- Okay, hey, These ones fought, man. These ones just didn't go down quietly. Hallelujah. Amen. And while they just walk in with their little robe of salvation, you come in clunky with all your armor. You know? And the Lord says, we can take it off now. It's okay. It's safe up here. Hallelujah. Because, you know, we almost come in going, where's he at? Where, you know? No, it's okay. We're done. Hallelujah. And that's what God wants. Just, you know, like Joshua. It was a Joshua, Caleb, one of those, both of them, all right? They were just people that didn't quit. Let's take that next mountain. We ain't finished with this yet. You know, everybody's getting old and like looking for wheelchairs. He wants to go have another fight. All right. <laughs> it is because of this hope of salvation that the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.8, But let us who are of the day be sober. That's not being not drunk, sober, okay? <laughs> okay. Don't go necessarily look for devils, okay? There's plenty enough around you to deal with. All right? <laughs> That's why Jesus says, you know, sufficient for the day is the evil therein. Don't, don't go look for more. Okay? Just, just take care of the battles in front of you. And when there's a time to rest, please rest. Don't go look for another devil, you know? Okay? But he says here, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. You need to understand that you don't have to fight forever. It's not a hope that you're going to be saved. People take this scripture and and preach it badly. They say, see, it's not once saved, always saved, because, you know, we just hope we're saved. Well, sweetheart, you won't engage in any kind of fight, any kind of battle. Do nothing for God, because you're always worried you might not make it. And if you do it, and you do it with the wrong motive just to get to heaven, that doesn't quite work either. It's not about good deeds. See, a lot of people miss this point. It's not about doing enough good deeds to get to heaven. If that was the case, Nicodemus didn't need to be told, you need to get born again. It's about being recreated and have God do something inside of you to prepare your inside for heaven. All your good works isn't going to change what's inside. Your spirit will remain dead. Only God can bring it alive. 
That's the reason why you can't do good works and get in. You can't follow other religions and get in. Because the one thing that is not permitted in heaven is anything unholy. And Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short. Okay, everybody is unholy. Okay? And there was wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23, alright? So you understand that there's no way God's going to let that in there. So the only way you can get in, which is why Jesus said, if I could paraphrase now and, and add a little bit, Jesus is basically saying to Nicodemus, when, and, and, and it's, it's such an important conversation he had with him. I, I, I'm so glad the Apostle John wrote what he wrote. And do you know why he wrote that? Because he'd been to heaven and he then began to understand what was actually important. Many of the good scholars believe that the Apostle John actually wrote the gospel and his epistles and revelation all after he went to heaven. So because he had that vision, his whole view on everything changed. Which is the reason why his is the only gospel that starts with, in the beginning. Because he went and saw it. He saw everything. He saw the beginning of life. And so while everybody's saying, well, that person begat that person, and that big, you know, person begat that person, and a lot of begatting took place. Okay, and, and so that you know that Jesus Christ came from the right lineage. Because of all the begotten. <laughs> okay? <laughs> when you look at John, he suddenly realized, it doesn't matter about all the begettings. What's important was, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. This is God came down in the flesh. Though so he's right in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It wasn't Mary had a baby and He dwelt among us. God, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. Get that! And then He starts, His whole focus then changes. This is why His focus and the Gospel of John is one of the Gospels that people say, read once you get saved. That's the place really to start. Because He understood what was important. So in that understanding, He then puts this incident with Nicodemus, which you don't find anywhere else. John understood the religion doesn't work. And so he put that in there for everybody to understand. Your good works. See, Nicodemus is all about being good doesn't get you into heaven. It requires a miracle. It requires something that only God can do. Now, I'm saying all that because it's the helmet of salvation. I need you to get this. All right? That's what you need to understand to realize that once a miracle took place, it is very hard to undo that miracle. Which is where the thought of once saved, always saved comes from. Because you become a new creation in Christ. And you need to know that it is a new creation. It wasn't you did good and you did enough good to tip the scale to get into heaven. And then you did a bad thing and then tip the scale tipped the other way. Now you're going to hell. And so you do a few more good things and you tip back the other. Forget about that. You are not going to go into battle with that and win. You need to know that when you got saved, you got saved. I mean, it was done. And God is going to do everything to stop you from going back the other way. If there is even the possibility. Do you know why? He doesn't look at you. Get this now. He looks at Jesus on the cross. He looks at Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Is there any other way? No. He looks at the horrific price that was paid. And while you're trying to get unsaved, he goes, no! <laughs> okay? My kid did too much for you to turn around and go the other way. 
So all those preachers that carry on about blah, 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 just shut up. You have no idea. You're going to face a very angry God at the end of the day. You think you're doing them a favor by keeping everybody in fear? But fear doesn't win battles. Faith wins battles. Amen? So you don't want them getting saved every week, just in case? How stupid is that? You want them gearing up every week. Sharpen their sword a little bit more. A little bit more strategy, a little bit more. Okay, this is how you get through that defense and just... Mm. That's how you take him down. Go, ooh, I've got to go try that next time. That, that, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping I'm giving you each week. Another way just to take what you have and just make the devil regret he ever paid you a visit. I want him, when he's, if he ever sleeps, that you're his nightmare. And he wakes up screaming, ah! I saw Verity again. Oh. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then he's going, yeah, just don't come here. Amen. Amen. See, when are we going to realize that that is what God wants from us? So, let me, let me conclude with this because I have run out of time. This future hope that we have is based on our current surety of salvation. This is, again, according to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? And then he says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's a done deal. If you ever doubt yourself, okay, you won't give your best. Because you're doubting. Amen? If you are doubting, it's not the time for you to be in battle. Go back to hearing and hearing, because then faith will come. Amen? Go get your mind renewed. Somewhere things are not working still. And God will not throw you on the battlefield before you're ready. We do that to ourselves. God will never do it. Let me also share this with you while I'm on that. You know, there are times when there is a situation where you might look at a certain need and go, oh, I should be there, but I don't know if I have the faith, and then you get on yourself for that. And you start feeling bad because you're thinking, you know, I should be doing this stuff. The Bible says we should be doing this stuff. And, and you know, somebody needs this to happen right now. I know about it. Listen, you knowing about it and you being able to do it are two different things. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Okay? You need to have faith for it. You need to know that, yes, you can pick that weight up without hurting yourself, so to speak. You know, you know those people that do bench presses? Uh, what do they call the guy that helps him, you know, when, when it gets to a spotter thing? So you got a spotter there, okay? Let's say you, you go there and say, yeah, I'll be your spotter. The guy is lifting like 500 kilos or something. You haven't lifted more than 50 in your life. But there's a need, you understand. Watch now. And you think, oh, I know what to do. I know that you're meant to grab it, lift it, and put it on the thing. Like you know in your head. But sweetheart, have you looked at yourself in the mirror? Okay, I know you have, you know, thoughts of grandeur, but that ain't going to do it. So, the worst thing you can do is say yes, because you don't want to say no. Be standing there, the person goes, okay, that's it. You know, and you grab it and go, oh boy, that's it. Because you can't. I mean, whatever they let go, you're going down. And you know what? It's going to end up on their neck. And then everybody's going to look at you and go, why did you kill them? But I was trying to help. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm trying to say? 
We need to know what we're capable of doing. Amen? And now, unless God specifically tells you, you go do this, don't let your heart condemn you and push you into doing something that will then cause more of a problem than if you just stayed out of it. Amen? So, you need to know this because... You know, the things that I teach you, I'm, I'm showing you more and more how to step into the things of God, how to just go far beyond what so many people have thought were possible. But at the same time, I don't want you, just because you know it, thinking that now that you know it, you can actually do it. You are on your way to doing it. Because you need to know before you can do. Amen? But after you know, then you need to build. You need to start doing the things the Bible tells you. And Jesus said, if you don't doubt, you can move any mountain. All things are possible to him that believes. So you go back to the one key thing, believing in your heart. What do I need to do to believe in my heart? And you start finding those things and start putting them in there. Because you know that's the key. The more you believe, these signs, signs, this is not everything, but these are some of the signs... That will follow those who believe. You can do a lot more. These are just some of the signs. Amen? So don't be surprised if stuff starts to happen and you go, what was that? That wasn't part of the signs. Hey, 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 that was just a few listed things. See, we saw signs like turning water into wine. We saw signs like walking on water. We saw signs calming the oceans and the seas and the storms. And we saw, There's a lot of stuff there. These are all signs. Okay, so rather than list a whole bunch of them, he just said, here are a few key things. You see this kind of stuff happening? Like you eat something deadly, you don't drop dead, everybody else does, which is bad for them. Okay, <laughs> okay, you don't? That's a sign. You see somebody sick and you put your hands on them and they get healed? Ooh, a sign. It's, a, it's just a sign. Try putting your hand on something else and see what happens. That believing can do all sorts of things. Here are just a few signs that will let you know that your believing is working, that your faith is operational, and what level it is at now. And as you start to see those things, then there will come a day when God will say, time to go, raise somebody from the dead. And He might say some other things that will surprise you. You know the one that died last week? Mm -hmm. In God, there is no time. I'm just going to say that and leave it there. All right? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever we can believe, see, we still miss that point. Whatever we can believe, that counteracts all physical law, all natural law. Isn't it incredible what God put inside of you? And why Jesus said, am I going to find any faith when I come down here? Is anybody going to have activated that in their life and done with it what I designed it to do? Amen. All right. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.